Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. What's up, After Buzzers? We've made it to the penultimate episodes of Sharp Objects falling. Things are getting crazy. Little girls are getting killed, force-fed, and force-fed medication. But the real swoop of the night is we actually have location manager Dodd Vickers joining us for a Q&A. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Ah, such a relaxing song for such yeah. a stressful cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a special guest here in Skype with us tonight. We've got Dodd Vickers, who was the location manager, a.k.a. the man responsible for all the incredible scenery that we've seen. Right, Heather? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Geisler. Thanks for joining us. And we're so excited to have Dodd on the line. Say hi, Dodd. Well, hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, I think everyone really, really enjoys the show. We have a lot of live chatters excited to hear what uh, little secrets you have for us. Yeah. So we, to kick it off, uh, could you explain what location managing on film and TV sets are so people know what that is in case they don't? Um, sure. So typically what happens is I'll get a call from a production company. In this case, I got a call in December of 2016 asking if I was available to start scouting for locations in Georgia, mm-hmm. and uh, I was. So I got the scripts, read the scripts, reread the book, and had a couple of conference calls with the creative team, the art director, production designer, and uh, John Mark to get a feel for what they were looking for and hit the road trying to find locations for them. Uh, once we've located things, then we send them pictures. They respond to them. They plan a trip to Atlanta or to wherever these locations are going to be. And then we take them on a tour and they start making choices. Once they've made the choices, we're left with the responsibility of dealing with the homeowners or business owners and getting the contracts and handling all the logistics for the show. And then we're on site to manage it with my team uh, throughout the production to make sure things go well. And in this case, there was a location manager that supervised from California that did all the California locations, and I did all the locations here in Georgia. Oh, I didn't realize there were California locations. Oh, wow. oh yeah. There yeah, was, what were uh, some the, of those? Uh, the big house, Adora's house is in oh, California. Whoa, oh, what? We thought that was here. No, or, well, not here, so but take it back. Yeah. I thought that was in Georgia. Yeah, and then it's funny, too, because I even got confused a couple of times with the editing. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see them pull into town and then walk inside of a store and then we realize they're in, back in California. So we <laughs> drive into town, they go inside, and they're somewhere in California. Now, That's how did really you cool. find this town, a.k.a. that has like now become Wind Gap? How did that come about? We looked for we pretty much looked at every single small town in Georgia. Um, obviously, one of the big locations as well that had to be tied to was a farm. And we mm-hmm. were looking at farms, and then we would look at the towns near them, Um probably scouted 20 or 25 small towns all across Georgia. And then I started work on another show. They were still making their, their minds. And uh, my wife got hired as a location scout for the show. 
she got in the car with them while they were driving. And during one of their trips, we had shown them some pictures of Barnesville, Georgia, which was selected as Wind Gap, but mm -hmm. they hadn't really responded much to it. And then all of a sudden we're driving through it or they were driving through it after visiting one of the farms. And Jean-Marc said, wait a minute, we saw this town. Hold on. And pulled over. They got out. They walked around. They spent the afternoon there and said, we found Wind Gap. Wow. And there's, it's become its own character in the show. What was your favorite location that you found within the town? Um, you know, it's interesting because I think Sensors really looks great. I mean, it looks like the kind of sleazy bar you wouldn't want to hang out in. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's only the exterior that's located here. That piece was actually built on stage in California. So once you walk through the door, you're on stage. Um, the the woods and the... Um, you, you may not remember there's a pond in the first episode where she's swimming. We all were, we referred to it as the swimming hole. Oh, okay. And yeah. that was really a difficult find because they had a real requirement for trees right up to the edge of the, the water mm -hmm. for the kids that are running by with their hunting rifles and stuff and stop oh, and point yeah. a gun at her and then run off. And, uh, that was, we had to essentially build that in somebody's old abandoned duck pond. <laughs> uh, finding the old abandoned duck pond to give you something to work with was probably one of the most difficult thing. And that was just a networking effort on behalf of the scouts who just talked to everybody in town about what might be out there. So was that finding the, the woods mm -hmm. and things like that, where we could build the shed and, and, and whatnot. Those are the really challenging things. It's easy to find houses to, to look at, but when you really are sent out to find something unusual, like a duck pond or a swimming hole, you, you really have to put your thinking cap on and go knock on doors. So how did the town react to you guys filming in their city? I think they were kind of incredulous at first. They're like, really? Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, they really embraced it. The town was great. Um, you know, they, they really didn't know what to expect. You do your best to prepare them for the circus to land mm -hmm. because it is like <laughs> a circus, circus coming to town. When you see all of our trucks rolling in and the crew pushing carts down the street and all the murals being painted and whatnot. It's, it really is the transformation of the town was pretty, pretty incredible. Were there a lot of spectators and, then? Oh yes. I mm -hmm. mean, everybody with the restaurant stayed busy with people coming into town so they could sit inside and watch us work outside. And we, we had a challenge there to deal with parking, making sure we can mm -hmm. keep the streets look relatively empty and yet give them places to park so they could, you know, be part of it. And, also patronize the local businesses. But did, yeah, they mm -hmm. a lot of excitement in town. Did you guys use the locals as background? We did. Yeah. There's actually oh, casting awesome. memos were up in the windows of most of the mm -hmm. businesses. <laughs> That's really saying, cool. Hey, we're gonna be shooting if you're interested, come visit. Here's who you call. And and there were quite a number of uh, locals talk about as authentic PG. as can be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. I mean everybody got involved. It was, it was really, I mean, team effort. I mean, the town of Barnesville hats off to them. Um, mm -hmm. it could, we could not have done it without their 100% participation in this. And they were fantastic. Now, Dodd, how did this, uh, production in particular come into your knowing, I guess? I had worked with some other folks. I obviously work with a lot of people, you know, over the number of years I've been doing this, I've worked with a lot of people and it's a lot of word of mouth gets out about who's available, who's in town. You know, if you're going to Georgia, who to call for the kind of thing you're looking for. And I'd worked with another gentleman in California that uh, did a, uh, I did a movie with, um, called Blended with yeah. Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler several years ago. And he actually knew the California manager on the show and he said, oh, if you're going to Georgia, you should call Dodd. And I got that phone call in December of 2016 and hit the road scouting for locations and for Victorian houses. 
And now we have wind gap. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. There's a there's a picture that you sent in of um, it looks like an article in the newspaper. Let's see. Yeah, there were a yeah. couple. Um, so you mentioned yeah, that they had an Amy Adams Day. They did. They had a they had a day for Amy. Um, the mayor showed up with a key to the city and a proclamation <laughs> that he read, and the newspaper was there and got pictures. I think you have a picture of Amy receiving it. Oh yeah, do. A, another uh, another day. John Mark was honored. So uh, I mean, they they were really super happy to have everyone in town and. They, I get calls from them all the time saying, I hope you're coming back for a season two. Is, is there a season two? Because this is the same team that did Big Little Lies. Right. Yeah. So everybody's like, that was never intended to be a, a, multi, mm-hmm. a, a multi-season show. And now they're filming season right. two currently. Right. And I said, you know, this one's never intended to be a two-season show, but you never know what will happen. Hopefully we get that second season. I don't know. Somebody's <laughs> got to change Amy's mind. She said Camille was a bit too dark for her to, to live yeah, in. I've heard both. I've heard her say both that she'd mm-hmm. like to revisit it. And then other times saying, no, I don't think I'd want to do that one again. She needs a little break. Maybe in like a year, yeah. right? It'll be yeah. like a year yeah. hiatus and then we might see well, another been, one. It's been over a year now. This is uh, We finished filming right as this show aired, episode one was almost a one year anniversary of us wrapping uh, filming in Georgia. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. What are you working on next? Any shows that we might know of or big movies that people might be aware of? Or is it all hush-hush for um, any no, big... No, we're working on a show for Facebook Watch right now. Um, hmm, they're cool. breaking into production with several things going on. And I'm doing Queen America with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones currently. Wow. Very awesome. Busy man. Busy. Yeah. Also in Georgia for Queen America with yep. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, I, I haven't been out of Georgia too much. There's so much work here. I did go to um, St. Louis for a week and a half to do some of the filming for the first episode where she's leaving town. So a lot of the driving work and things we did, we did go back to St. Louis for. And then I did a movie in Alabama that hasn't come out yet. Um, but most of the time I'm here in Georgia. This is where the work is. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for your time with us today, Dodd. I'm excited to share all these photos, too. You also sent mm-hmm. over a really cool photo uh, before we wrap of the mural that was built for people watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on the podcast, it is a painting of the full wind gap, kind of like welcome to the town mural. And you said that that was your wife who also assisted in location finding, right? Yeah, that's right. She was the one that that helped find the town of uh, Barnesville, and uh, that was us uh, there in in Wind Gap. They kept that mural. I mean, they kept that and the cherry mural. One mm. of the murals they put up was paper and temporary, but the others they left behind. They're very aged in the show as you see mm-hmm. them now, but they went back and pressure washed them and took the the uh, water based paint off that they had put on, and restored them back to their freshness that you see. Both you see them both ways in the first mm-hmm. episode. But they did leave that one especially, even though it does say Wind Gap, Missouri and not Barnesville, Georgia, so that they would have a little selfie spot for people that visit the that town. That is and a I do really encourage cool everybody souvenir. To make a trip. If you're in Georgia, Barnesville's a lovely town. They've got some great restaurants, fantastic antiquing and super nice people and a lot of things for you to see if you love the show. Well, if we're given travel tips, what was your favorite restaurant in Gainesville? Uh, Barnesville. 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 Uh, you know, they, there's a great pizza place there. Uh, it just changed its name to Two Cities Pizza to honor both Wind Gap 
and uh, Barnesville. <laughs> and then there's also an unbelievably good sushi place in town. We're like in Barnesville. We're having sushi, but it was excellent. That we, wow. it. We, had a, we had a Tech Scout lunch there. We ate there probably more than anywhere else between there and the pizza place were our two favorites. Well, Dad, there's I just... also a really great mm-hmm. Southern restaurant there. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it's the pig restaurant you see in the first episode when she's driving through town. Oh, very cool. Okay. Dot, I wanted to let you know that we have a lot of live chatters right now. And one of our live chatters says, uh, her name is Bexmon and says, Georgia has terrific locations. Dot and his team did a great job. And M.A. says, yes, and the locations blend perfectly. So everyone's on board for everything. So, Oh, one last photo before you go. You shared a great shot, I believe, of Amy driving the car that she spends so much time drunk driving in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fake drunk driving. Oh, it's her double. How cool. Yeah, that's the girl that traveled. She did some of the driving for Amy. Amy did Mm -hmm. do most of the driving. But when we went to St. Louis, we had to take her double because she was back in California doing some filming. So we had to take the double and and try not to show her face too much. Well, I'd like to say fun fact. I actually auditioned slash interviewed to be Amy Adams double for the show. So there were there were five redheaded girls all uh, vying for that spot. Unfortunately, I didn't get it, but I'm loving watching it, and I'm sure she did a great job. That would have given you a really unique perspective. As oh, I know. I know. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards. But I have been uh, her photo double before, so. Oh, have you really? I have. I have, yeah. The girls who auditioned, we had all been her photo double or stand-in uh, previously. So I think any, any of us would have done a great job, so. It's a really oh, cool position. Nice yeah. I'm, I'm sure you you hated to miss that opportunity. <laughs> yes, yes. The good thing about Hollywood is there's always a new one. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I'll let you get back to your busy schedule, Dodd. It was awesome having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, well, Dodd. It was pleasure. a pleasure and talking. If I can, I just want to give a shout out to my team. They Please. Uh, could not have done it with all of the guys, Gonzo, Mila, Taylor, there were just so many of them. I mean, we had a great team, Austin. Um, we needed everybody we had because it was a long, hot summer in Barnesville, oh, Georgia. Bet. But we had a great time, and we're all so proud of this show. So I'm glad the fans are enjoying it so much as well. I'm I'm getting to watch it with fresh eyes along with you, and it's I'm really enjoying it. They've done an amazing job. Cool. Thank you so much, and congratulations to you and your team. All your hard work paid off. It is incredible. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a great night, and thanks for inviting me to join you for a little while. You, you too. too. Have a great night. Bye, Dad. All right, I'll take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, that was really cool. He was so <laughs> great. We got a lot of insight there. Well, now we know. Yes. Amy's double drove back to Missouri. It could have been me, guys. It could have been me. It could have been you. <laughs> but well, that was cool. It's yeah. cool that they kept the... Um, the murals. So if know, you go down to this little town, you can have a great day with sushi and take a photo with one of the Wind Gap murals. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's dive into this episode, huh? Oh, yeah. So what were your initial thoughts? Because I know everybody is salivating yes. to talk about the wildness that took place. I felt tonight. like there were some big shining stars in this episode. I loved watching Jackie. Um, and then, of course, the scene with John Keane and Amy, that was really shocking. Audible gasp there. <laughs> um, I thought this was a great episode, so I I loved it. 
All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's kick it off with Detective Willis. So Richard mm-hmm. has been doing a lot of digging. It has been a hot topic mm-hmm. of conversation. Some people are like pro digging into Camille's past. Some people are con. I'm not really into it. But now I'm kind of into it because mm-hmm. he's starting to find out that the real problem isn't anybody being sick, but a Dora herself having issues. What were your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. So obviously we saw Detective Willis talking to the the nurse who was fired for like finding out essentially that it was Munchausen by proxy. And then finally we realize, wow, Adora's actually been poisoning her children because she wants to take care of them. And it's interesting that she didn't feel maybe like she was motherly enough or had like she needed to care for sick children in order to feel needed I almost you know? feel it's if she can't let her children grow up, like yeah. what Emma says to her later on. It's mm-hmm. very poignant. Right. And that also ties into what she said to Camille mm-hmm. about why she couldn't love her her entire childhood because yeah. Camille wouldn't let her medicate her like that. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I felt like finally Detective Willis, I mean, he had been cracking, like he was getting yes. down to the bottom of everything. So it was nice to finally see like he was rewarded this Mm -hmm. episode uh because he well even though he strayed from the case he was really wanting to just get down to the bottom nobody's really been talking about this case (laughs) we've just been talking about what's going on in that big house yeah that's very true um but you know what shocked me the most Mm -hmm. when he was speaking with the nurse and the nurse said to him uh i have friends at the hospital still if you want to know about the other girl thinking that right. she meant Camille. How did you yeah. react when you found out that it was Emma? I, I was shocked because when I mean at first when we we're watching it, yeah, I didn't I didn't understand who they were talking about. And then it was very surprising to find out that Emma had been sick so many times and had a feeding tube to go that extreme. Uh, I just got chills. Yeah, it makes sense that Emma kind of runs wild when she can, when she's not feeling sick. It's almost and like... She has so many problems with drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. because she's been medicating her since right. you're that young. You're addicted already to the medication. Right. So, I mean, it really makes sense the way that she acts out. Um, and what she said well, last episode, too, going into what he was researching when she sat there and she said to Camille, I can't remember the last time I felt this happy. Yeah. Because her mother makes her miserable. Yeah. Yeah, and she's probably not always in a healthy mental state, if ever. That Those medical papers that he discovered, mm-hmm. how do you think they're going to come into play now that de- Detective has them in his hands? Like, Gosh, what did you think I feel of that? Like, I mean, I feel like everything, obviously everything is going to come to a close in the next episode, but... Will it? I'm almost <sighs> kind of expecting them yeah. to leave us on a bit of a cliffhanger. I guess that's true. That could happen. Uh, I feel like... This family has become more important to get down to the bottom of everything Mm -hmm. and put everything straight because it's the whole case of all the girls being murdered has kind of it's transcended that and it's going into other girls who are being hurt. One of the quotes that I thought was interesting in this episode was from Camille, who said, uh, I, I never let her fix me or something like that um i wrote it down i'll have to find it but and that was shortly before the t- poor richard comes back into mm-hmm. that mess but oh solve them 
Uh, she said, I never let her solve me and maybe I should have. But all that ties into the medical records because in a way, the show tonight when Detective Willis was going through, we saw now what Marion's medical records are and we've seen now what Emma's medical records are. But what are Camille's? Did her mother truly not medicate her at all? I wonder if part of why she cuts herself also has to do with being medicated because of the conversation that she had with Jackie. Those medical records have left me with Mm -hmm. so many more questions than answers. Yeah, definitely. Um, And talking about questions and answers. Yes, all of you AfterBuzzers, our network produces after shows for nearly all of your favorite TV shows. We have drama, reality TV, sci-fi, so many more. There's really no other network that is working harder for you. But we really need your help. We're asking that you please subscribe to one or more of our channels. And by doing so, YouTube will suggest content that's tailor-made for you and you'll help AfterBuzz continue to grow. And if you're worried about notifications, you don't have to be because they're optional. So please hit that subscribe button for this channel and check out our other AfterBuzz YouTube channels as well. Let us know that you did so and we will thank you on air. And for now, thanks for being the best fans and for helping us be the ESPN of TV talk. We actually have some subscribers from last week as well. That's awesome. Uh, And I'll give a couple of those shout outs. Nikki Bassett on YouTube said, love you guys. This is by far the best after show review of Sharp Objects I've seen. I love this show so much. The acting is A+. Subscribed. Smiley face. Thank you so much, Nikki. And same with Firewalker. I subscribed. Really love the show and this and many other AfterBuzz shows. I personally think it's Emma after this episode. I also thought it was Jackie for half a second, but that doesn't really seem like her to me. So thank you guys so much for joining us on our YouTube show and listening and subscribing. We really appreciate you guys. No, we appreciate Mm -hmm. you guys so much. We love chatting with you throughout the week. So please continue to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, you know. All that good stuff. Yeah, all the good (laughs) stuff. Give us all the love and we give it back. Uh, But before we wrap up on Detective Willis, how do you feel about him still talking to the chief about everything, especially now that he knows that all the medical records were denied every time that more information was requested? I feel like he's going to go rogue. He's going to take things into his own hands, whether it be legally or not. Um, I think think he's he's like washed his hands of it because he's fed up with Camille. Detective Willis. Mm-hmm. Oh, he. Oh, yeah. Oof. He might be now, but I do think he's he's in this town for a reason. I think he does care about what is happening, and so I don't think he would just abandon abandon them when he knows now the truth. And now a lot of people know the truth. Everyone kind of started figuring it out this this episode. So he can't just leave them. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. And I don't, he's I don't not know abusing any alcohol or drugs, so he's in his right mindset. I mean, the man does like to drink, though, to be fair. He does. I guess relative to Amy, though. Or Camille, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Camille's a champion drinker. Um, but she had a low blow on her. You're just a yes. slut and a drunk, he yes. called her. That was yes. that was low. But he was he was doing the most. He was literally stealing the entire scene and he had three actors standing in his way. Yeah. On his reaction on walking on John and Camille. But we'll do more of that. Right. I now. mean, should we so Yeah, let's talk that, about that. that. Let's jump into it. Okay, the conversation 
that took place at the house slash bar yes. where she found him. Right. She went out of her way to go find him, which great detective work, uh, finding him. She's doing her investigative skills. She is, she's getting there. <laughs> she could be FBI in her own yeah. right. Yeah. And I definitely noticed the sexual tension before, you know, she grabbed his hand and they're obviously not in their right mindset. And, you know, she wants him to just say, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill my sister. And he won't admit that. And he comes up with the story and says, oh, look, see how easy it would be for me to just tell a story. But I felt like this scene was so heartbreaking. Like I truly, truly believed finally, like he just really missed his sister. He's like, I died when she died. You know, it was really heartbreaking. And he said to to Camille, so did you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you then did he too. Said, Prove to me that you didn't. Yeah, I, it, I. There's so many people in this town that are just broken, lost, dead, physically and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought mm-hmm. it was really interesting. I also thought that when they were speaking and he was describing it in such like monotone indifference, at first I was really creeped out, and mm-hmm. I thought, wait, did he actually kill this girl? Mm-hmm. Because, or these girls, I should say, because, or did he kill one of them? All these things started going through my mind because the way he was so detached and describing Mm -hmm. it freaked me out. I Mm -hmm. almost felt as if, you ever see um, that show Mindhunter when they talk to the serial killers? It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. It's a good show. The serial killers are always so detached when they talk about it on the show about how they kill people. And it's almost methodical. And when he went into that, I was like, he's really creeping me out. Did he actually kill his sister and that other little girl? But then he started getting too upset about it. And I thought, no, no, he's just blaming himself because he sees how it's all being lined up. Yeah, for me, it was just like he gave up. You know, he's like, I don't care if they take me. I don't care if I jump off a cliff you know he was he is just given up he's tired he's like i just need you know a couple drinks before they take me in he was just he's over he felt he feels helpless yeah well because he feels dead inside which is what he was telling camille Mm -hmm. but then how do you explain the blood he was obviously framed but who do you think framed him because this goes into their conversation he doesn't even mention who he thinks has it in for him see i don't i don't know if anybody framed him because I mean they put they his sister's said, blood by his bed. Right. Okay, so that I don't understand. I, I don't think we got answers to that why that was there. And also I thought the girlfriend cleaned it up, so I was really confused as to how they even knew that was there. Because I th- well, based on all my crime knowledge from all the crime shows I watch, <laughs> uh, I think even after you clean it up there's probably still going to be some remnants I mean- of blood there. <laughs> Like wind gap. I'm not expecting them to have yeah. the best people showing up to do their research I when don't it's know. just a little town outpost. Yeah. yeah. But um what I was gonna say is he he said, you know, it's it's always the family. I think Chief Vickery might have said that. It's always the family. Maybe Detective Willis said that, not sure. Well, um but well, anyway, in this episode. Right. Okay. So I think after he was on his mm-hmm. uh, rage rampage from catching Amy in bed with right. John. So I think that's why it's possible that it wasn't like a setup or anything. It was just he's the brother. People always thought Assume. and assumed it was him, and it's just coming to a head now. And But they did plant – or Chief Vickery said that he got, you know, the witness to in order to get the um, the search warrant. 
So in that sense, that was forced for sure. Well, Ashley just wants her name in the papers. That's oh, abundantly yes. clear. Mm-hmm. But staying on John and Camille, I want to go back into them kind of sharing their shared history now mm-hmm. of having a dead sibling mm-hmm. where they were helpless to do anything yeah. in the cause or they felt helpless to do anything for the cause. And uh, he saw her scars and started reading all of her self-cut mm-hmm. words. What did you think about that? Yeah, that was a very, very intimate moment before they even got intimate. Mm-hmm. There was only a slight hesitation on her end. You know, I think she almost was ready to just share that part of her. And with somebody who was also broken and who could relate to her tragedies in her life. And that was, I, yeah, it was so intimate, and honestly, I felt like it was a very beautiful scene as well to see them both be very vulnerable. The dialogue really caught me because mm-hmm. I think what Amy has wa- – or sorry, <laughs> what Camille has wanted her whole life uh-huh. is to be seen. And he kept oh, saying, yes. I see you. I saw this. Yes. I see over and over different – variations of I see you yeah because at home with her mother she was invisible Mm -hmm. everything was about Marion yeah coming back she's still this unwanted child and the only time people see her is how they want yeah they never see her and all of the self-cutting the words that she's been putting into Mm -hmm. herself are things that she hates the way that she feels like she's just an object and Mm -hmm. she's closed off and she's held down but he really fought for her to understand that he saw her. So I almost wonder if the sex was cathartic more for her than it even was for him. Yeah, that was definitely beautiful when he was saying those things and just reading it. And to me, I don't, we couldn't really see, but he kind of like broke down and I thought he was kind of like crying in her lap a little bit before they jumped into Before everything. Before I went down on her? Yes, exactly. That's what <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was because they were so close in that moment. Yeah. Like, it, it's so intimate. And speaking about intimacy, the actor who plays John Keane is 23 in real life. And what yeah. a coop, man. You said something really oh, funny yeah. when we were watching. I said he needs to put that on his reel. <laughs> you were like, that should just be his reel. <laughs> that should just be his reel. <laughs> but talk about the best day ever. You're yeah. 23 and you get to shoot a sex scene with Amy Adams as Camille and Sharp Objects. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel for like any young yeah. adolescent. And you kept saying you you kept saying I can't wait for them to catch her, and I was like, no, they're not going to come in there. They're not going to catch him. So much anxiety. Bust through the door. That was such a great moment. We were like, whoa! I was just listening to the sound as they were talking, and every time I heard a car drive by, Uh my heart was having like palpitations. Mm -hmm. I didn't know like how long it was going to last. At what point they were going to walk in? I kept. Praying in my head that they would have some kind of clothing on. It right. was so I knew it. I knew it. They were setting it up. Yeah, and, and then, then yeah, and then yeah. we see them come in, guns ablazing. But the thing too is that John went very willingly. He was very yeah, calm he was ready and peaceful with them. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, then we kind of had the other man in the picture confrontation right. with Camille, which we touched on a bit already, but still. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take in. And kudos to John Messina mm-hmm. for the actor, Chris mm-hmm. Messina. Chris Messina. I'm losing my mind. Too many Johns. <laughs> for Chris Messina, he really, I felt like his performance stole the show, yeah. just walking in and walking back out and walking in. Yeah. I don't know what happened in the foreground in those two minutes because I was just following mm-hmm. his performance mm-hmm. because he was... Yeah. Perfect. Well, we've we've seen him and Camille build a strong relationship. Well, I don't know if strong is the right word, but they've been forming a relationship ever since episode one. They've already been intimate together. I felt like he was into Camille. He was interested in her, Very obviously. And he's been spending all of his time researching her family. And then to see her jump into bed with a young man who's being arrested for the murders of little girls, that's a lot to handle. And he and he, and she he let it. it he let it be known too. I mean, when they sat down afterwards and he's like, well, like, how are we gonna deal with this? Or you know. <laughs> Camille was like, never get out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ugh. That was one conversation she didn't have, which led to a conversation with Jackie, our favorite character, Mm -hmm. who really opened her eyes to what she's been denying herself. And then that leads us into our final topic of Amma and the woman of the hour man, Adora. She's been poisoning her own children. Yeah, I know you've mentioned before that you... You had felt like it was Adora, you know, who was doing these things to the children just with how close she is and stuff. When Camille and John were talking and he said that his sister's nails had been painted and she never in a million years would have painted her nails, the only thing I could think of was that was Adora. Yeah. A hundred percent. If you guys missed that detail, go back, watch it again. When after they have their, you know, session... And Amy's in bed with John Keane. He says that to her. Mm-hmm. And then she jumped out of bed and I thought she had an epiphany about Adora. Mm-hmm. But actually she heard the cops coming. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's just just kind of another like doll-like action almost. You know, Adora uses these little girls as her, her dolls and her playthings. In the beginning of the episode... She had undressed Camille and put her in the white gown. Emma was in a white gown this entire time. There was a lot of the dollhouse being shown. Um, you know, she's Adora's keeping Emma in bed and feeding her the force her, feeding her, her own concoction. A cocktail of mm-hmm. what? Well, she throws it up, you know, so it's obviously poisoning Poison. her her body. I just can't imagine a mother doing that to her children. And not and this isn't the first time, obviously. Well, speaking so. of Adora and the white dresses, undressing yeah. Camille into the white dress mm-hmm. and having Emma and the same thing. Uh I actually was on the Facebook official group for Sharp Objects and someone, forgive me, I forget who, but if you know, please tell me, they screenshot Last week's episode when Emma mm-hmm. and uh, Camille were running up the stairs, the painting at the top of the stairs when it shines down and we see Marion's mm-hmm. ghost at the yeah. bottom, the painting at the top has a woman in a white dress Yeah, in the woods. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like all of this has a connection to yeah. her poisoning people, and I mm-hmm. wonder if her mother did it. 
And this is like a sickness that's been passed down. Yeah. Well, there's definitely mental illness in this family. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. A lot Mm -hmm. of it. But Munchausen by proxy, I'd never heard of that until this episode. I looked it up a bit. Mm -hmm. It's pretty scary, Mm -hmm. especially because it actually, it is common with mothers Mm -hmm who think that something's constantly wrong with their children and it's this need to have them be sick so that they feel needed because mm-hmm. otherwise they feel that they, they can't love their children because they're not needed in some way. Mm-hmm. Which Yeah, well, Adora, when Emma was like, I just had a few beers, I'm not really sick, and then she's like, well, you can go do your own laundry then. You can cook for yourself, you know what, and you don't need this dollhouse anymore and starts taking apart the dollhouse, you know, she's, it's interesting because then she starts acting like the child, you know, when she's not needed anymore. See, I actually thought that that was really complex emotional abuse because she knew exactly how to manipulate Amma Mm -hmm. into making her feel unworthy of affection Mm -hmm. so that Amma played into her hands of being like, no, mama, I do need you because Mm -hmm. when you're constantly told that you're sick, that you're not strong enough, you're Mm -hmm. sick, you're not strong enough. You start to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And then she gives her mother the second phone. Which Camille mistakenly told her about. Right. Exactly. And then she ends up finding the fi- the dead girl's files in Camille's room. Yeah. Which I thought yeah. she had walked into her mother's room and I got mm-hmm. really excited because I thought we were going to have a big revelation yeah. on the case. No. Yeah. But still. <laughs> oh. It, it's just interesting though because it's like, is she next? Is she the next dead girl? I mean, that, I don't know. That's the question. Mm -hmm. But then it also begs the question with the door and what's been going on with these girls that her own daughter, poisoning her own daughter, Emma, isn't even enough. Mm -hmm. Because now it's come out that the girl had her nails painted. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is getting stronger and stronger for Adora's corner Mm -hmm. on being the murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. But part of me wouldn't even be surprised if it was Emma taking out her rage mm-hmm. on everything that Adora has done to her. Mm-hmm. But then there's a part of me that's like, maybe she hasn't. She just knows mm-hmm. about it. What do you think? Yeah. Well, actually, I thought it was interesting in the live chat. Um, Beck says, is Alan responsible in some way by not doing anything? What do you all think? And and that was something oh, he's that, worthless. That was something that I was thinking about as well because we see him – dancing with Emma and it kind of does a few little flashbacks and I'm like he knows exactly what's going on in this house does he, he I feel like maybe he or he's turning a blind eye but he I mean he knows that it's not normal I I know that he's not stupid enough to just think that everything's okay because we, we saw a little bit of his rage before an actual personality and him standing up for himself. So I know that there's, there's a light on inside of his head. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really say, I mean, the way he stood up for himself, good for him, but it mm-hmm. was also so creepy. And then the ending of that episode was never really explained, you know, mm-hmm. when he comes in and just like hovers over Adora's bed. Remember, mm-hmm. I believe it was episode four, five, he comes in at the very end almost. I mm-hmm. couldn't tell if it was a memory or if it was currently happening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, But then because the shed was found so close to the house, mm-hmm. that's when I still thought he was the killer. Mm-hmm. And then when it was found so close to the house, I thought, no way. But now with everything mm-hmm. with Adora and him not doing anything, it goes back to does he have that much rage? He Well, he saw Adora making the cocktail 
in the kitchen and she goes just just go put on some music honey you know just mother relax, knows best just relax you know and he and he does i almost feel like the name of this episode could have been mother knows best yeah imagine that uh carved into your skin <laughs> it might be mother we might knows have not best. seen all the words yet yeah well on that we've got a lot of predictions coming up but first we're going to take it away with heather and news yes all right, guys, so Amy Adams did a Q&A with TV Insider, and she was asked quite a bit of good questions. She was asked, is this the most damaged character you've played? And mm. Amy Adams says she's very different. A lot of my characters have had complex internal lives, but Camille definitely has the most outwardly visible demons, obviously by the scars. She's trying to conquer them, and she's not intending to hurt people, but she becomes a tornado. Um... Then another question, the truth about Camille's history with her mother, Adora, is coming to light at last. Where will the finale leave us? She says, walking away from the last scene, I remember feeling so devastated by the reality of Camille's life. As much as I don't want to say, I hope the audience is devastated also. I hope they are. Which I felt like that was really interesting to say. We, uh, Amy, now when I need to call her Amy, call her Camille. Uh, she wants us to be devastated in the last episode. That says something. And she was also asked for Camille's, for all of Camille's flaws, is it weird that we still kind of want to be her friend? And I don't. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'll pass. Well, Amy says, I would hang out with her. She's articulate and funny. I don't know about articulate. But my biggest issue is her reckless driving of all Camille's things. The one thing that would keep me from being best friends with her is what appears to be a blatant disregard for public safety. <laughs> I am such a square. I call myself unfun Adams sometimes. <laughs> so I thought that was really cute and fun uh, little insight into her personality uh, on and off stage. And then we had an article with Elizabeth Perkins, a.k.a. Jackie, uh, she talked to L.com. And this is perfect because she had such oh a great gosh. scene. Yeah, this week. I thought such this, a great this scene. is so great. And it was all about her drinking, of course. So Elizabeth said, I always thought of Jackie as a ghost on Scooby Doo. She just weaves <laughs> in and out in giant moo moos going, woo. <laughs> and she had mentioned how she told uh, Chief or Detective Willis, like, you're getting closer, you know, so dropping little hints there. And Elizabeth said, I made the decision that Jackie's always medicated, always on an opiate or a benzo or a mixture. Alcohol and a benzo is probably her game. And I love playing drunk and inebriated. And we saw in this episode, she had her little pill box. So that was definitely accurate. And the... Or I wonder if she added that herself because that was a choice she made for a character. Who knows? It's it's very possible. Uh, the interviewer says, you, you play a very believable drunk. What do you love about it? And she says, the freedom. You can make choices that are so off the wall and nobody will question it. They'll be like, well, she's really high. I have a tendency <laughs> as an actor to go too far anyway. And a lot of the time, I have to be restrained. There's nothing more fun for an actor than to have the freedom to say, maybe I'll just jump off this bed. I'm a good drunk, and I don't even really drink. I'm kind of a one and a half glasses of wine girl. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. 
And then you actually, uh, oh, actually, before before moving on, Elizabeth Perkins is going to be in a new thriller called Are You Sleeping? And it takes a look into True Crime Podcast. So oh. that'll be out next year. It's starring Octavia Spencer, Lizzie Kaplan, and Aaron Paul. So be looking out for that, guys. And... You uh, sent me a lovely photo this weekend of Miss Gillian Flynn, the author of these books. She wrote, just kicking back at the Sharp Objects house, waiting for Camille to get home. Hashtag FBF, hashtag Sharp Objects at HBO. Uh, photo credit to Dan Merlo. Well, that's cool. If you're listening on the mm-hmm. podcast, uh, the author is actually sitting in a human mini size replica of the sharp objects house like big enough to sit on the stairs right. but not big enough to be a real house i like want to know very more elaborate place yeah i want to know more about this and where this is at and if this is something we can visit because it's pretty cool <laughs> but that's your news and gossip for this week guys and that brings us into predictions <laughs> I love the creepy music. I love it. Yeah. All right, Heather. All right. Well, obviously, we're going to find out the killer. And I already know because I read the book. (laughs) Although maybe they took some creative license. Who knows? But I think it's, well, everything is going to come to a head. I want to say that we find out the killer early because I want to see the reaction to all of that. Mm. I want to see all that. I think Adora is going to go off the wall. I Maybe there's someone else who's going to get murdered in the next episode. I think Camille is going to be forced to come to her senses and stop drinking and maybe have to, like, you know, fight for herself because she's going to confront Adora at the end of this pa- this last episode. So there's going to be... A storm. A showdown. Yeah. A tornado, as Amy called it. Well, based on the preview Mm -hmm. for the next episode, I thought it was really creepy that Emma says such creepy things Mm -hmm. all the time, you guys. But I thought it was really creepy that she said, who would you rather die, John or me? Yeah. Like, or who would you be sadder if they died, John or me? And I was like, that's such a creepy thing that only somebody who killed somebody would say. Mm. But I don't really think it was her. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was. Mm -hmm. But I kind of think it was Adora or I, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I have so many thoughts. Mm-hmm. And with that, I will leave you to come and join us next week and chat with us all week long. And Heather, where can our lovely viewers find you at? Yes, you guys, you can find me at 500 Days of Heather. And guys, I'm Carolina Benetti, your host tonight. And you can find me on Twitter at Carolina Benetti and on Instagram at Lena Bean 113. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Bye. Come back next week. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.